Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang, and it's so great to share this time together. Welcome to The Living Way, the podcast ministry of the Christian Life Institute, and the Christian Life Institute's purpose to grow Christians forward to live victoriously as overcomers in, but not of the world, through the hope and healing of Christ. If you miss any of our messages, you can find a link and more information on our website at christianlifeinstitute.com. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. As we begin, you may want to grab a Bible and follow along as we share scripture throughout our time together. Our message today is titled, Your Will, Your Way, Waiting on God. Six words which are so powerful and often so intimidating to us. Why do we struggle to cry out to Jesus, your will and your way? Why do the words scare us, intimidate us? Why is surrender so hard? Why do we find waiting so challenging? These are great questions, questions with which many struggle. Before you continue, press the pause button and make a list of possible answers. Don't be afraid to deep dive into the ick, as we refer to it at the Christian Life Institute, to the flesh-filled struggles within each of us. One answer that I hear frequently from many is control. Control is an authentic answer for many of us. We as humans want control. We want to plan our course, make our way, know what is in the front, behind, and the sides of us. We generally don't like the unknown, and for many, we do not like not being in control. The challenge for us as Christ followers is to deeply digest and appropriate the Christ-centric truth that life in Christ is not to be of our own making, as there is one way maker, and his name is Jesus. Another possible challenge for some is that to cry out, your will, your way, requires trust and faith and many of us are low on trust and faith. If you want a challenging Christ-centric perspective on this topic, read the first few chapters in E.M. Bounds' book, The Necessity of Prayer. Another challenge for many is that to have trust and faith, we must choose to believe, not feel, but choose to believe that God is who he proclaims to be according to the truth of his word. So many struggle with the infallibility of God's word. Christianity.com states, and I quote, Infallibility means errors are not possible for the entity in question. There is no possibility of an accuracy of any kind. Infallibility has to do with the one who makes the assertion in whatever form it's made. The truth is stated by the infallible one, God, is absolute. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we read, and I quote, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And John 17.7 reminds us of Jesus' words, Sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. The first step for us in this journey of relinquishment and trust is to choose faith. As we are reminded in 2 Corinthians 5.7, and I quote, We walk by faith, not by sight. The second step is to choose to remember, to remind yourself of some of the never-changing, otherwise known as immutable, attributes of God. 
His love, we read in 1 John 4.16, and I quote, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. His mercy, as we read in Ephesians 2, 4-5, and I quote, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. His grace, as we read in Hebrews 4.16, and I quote, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. His forgiveness, as we read in 1 John 1.9, and I quote, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His holiness, as we read in Isaiah 6.3, and I quote, And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. His righteousness, as we read in Psalm 11.7, and I quote, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. His sovereignty, as we read in Psalm 115.3, and I quote, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And his goodness, as we read in Psalm 34.8, and I quote, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And there are so many more. You may want to find some of your own favorite attributes of God and write them down and anchor into them. Hold on to them and appropriate them. So when you get wobbly, which you will, as we are all human, we can remind ourselves of the truth of his character according to the truth of his word. Once we are anchored into the truth of his character by faith in him who first loved us, as we read in 1 John 4:19, and I quote, we love because he first loved us. We choose to pray in accord with Luke 22:42, and I quote, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. In other words, your will, your way. Why pray? We pray to communicate with our Savior. We pray to be heard by our Savior. We pray to listen to our Savior. We pray for fellowship, intimacy, relationship with our Savior. Learning to cry out your will and your way is not only biblical, as Jesus modeled in Luke 22, 39-46 when he prayed on the Mount of Olives, but there is a peace and a confidence that flows from this prayer. Let me share a few perspectives. As a Christ follower, we choose, key word, to desire to be a surrendered vessel of the Lord. That does not mean it's easy, nor that we always live in the moment as a surrendered vessel of the Lord. Yet it's our desire, and we choose our attitudes and actions to align with our choice. If we pray, Lord, your will, your way, we can anchor into alignment with the will of the Lord and confidence that what comes is his will. We make our request known to God. We shift into acceptance that we have shared, spoken, pleaded, requested, fill in the blank, and appropriate the peace that flows from the truth that God hears and God cares. We then, as Jesus modeled in his prayer on the Mount of Olives, end with, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus asked, Lord, remove this cup, and if not, then. We can ask and end with the same acceptance and peace that flows from reminding ourselves of the loving sovereignty of our Creator, Savior, God, 
and say in authentic earnestness, if not then. As Christ followers, there is a peace that comes from knowing that we have prayed it out, cried it out, walked it out with the Lord. We have made our request known to him. He hears our prayers as we read in 1 John 5:14, and I quote, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. He cares for you. He cares about your prayers. Our peace is derived from anchoring into his perfect plan. Remind yourselves of Jeremiah 29:11. Look up the scripture. Write it down. And surrender fully to his will and his way. As we pray and he brings to pass things in our life that we find challenging, difficult, unpleasant, unexpected, and a myriad of other words, we can choose to embrace his peace by knowing we asked and accepting that he brought his answer. If we really want the fullness of him, then desiring his answer is where we find our comfort and peace, and he will meet us where he has placed us. The image of the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire is one of my favorites in the Old Testament. At CLI, the Christian Life Institute, we talk about following the prompting of the Holy Spirit, following the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. In Exodus 13:21, we read, and I quote, The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. And in 40, 36, 37, we read, and I quote, Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up. Let us choose to find, key words again, choose and find, acceptance and peace in knowing we have prayed, we have been heard, the Lord has brought his will and his way. We make a choice to follow him, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. In Psalm 143:8, we are reminded, and I quote, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. How hard is it to say, Your way, O Lord? Why do we find it hard to say, your way, O Lord. The Bible is replete with exhortations to not lean on our own understanding, make our own path, guide ourselves. Yet it's so hard for us to truly, from our depths, truly desire for the Lord to be the one who makes the way. We have shared over and over as a reminder that this world is really hard. Even when life things are good, we struggle with the hurts and disappointments of man. The unfairness and injustices which surround us, it's real, it's hard. It is even at times unfathomable, but God. The battle within is often one for control. A battle between our old self and our new self. A battle between the flesh and the spirit. A battle between our conditioned ways and prior experiences and the reality of the present. A battle between unforgiveness and forgiveness. A battle between what we know or believe we know and what we cannot see. A battle between our way or fill in the blank. We know from 2 Corinthians 5-7 that we walk by faith, not by sight. We know from Hebrews 11-1-3 that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Further we read in 11.6, and I quote, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he rewards those who seek him. In 1 Peter 1, 8-9, we read, and I quote, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We need more faith. Let us cry out, Lord, increase our faith. What from your past is in your way of completely trusting your Creator with your present? What are you holding on to that is in the way of your saying, Lord, I choose to trust you with every part of me and every part of my life. God wants all of you. He is jealous for you. David Crowder has a song, How He Loves Us. Here's an excerpt from the lyrics, and I quote, He is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane, I am a tree, bending beneath the weight of his wind in mercy, when all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory, and I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affections are for me. Perhaps you're thinking, I'm so unworthy, I have messed up so much, I keep stepping in it. He knows, he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Nothing can separate you from his unconditional love. He wants you to trust in him and him alone. As we read in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and I quote, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Choose to commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established, we read in Proverbs 16.3. We must, deep within, choose to believe, digest, appropriate, and accept that His plans, His ways, are for our best. We must, deep within, choose to believe, digest, appropriate, and accept that He wants our spiritual healing. He wants us to live in freedom in Him. He wants to bring us his hope, which comes from living in the power of the Holy Spirit and not the power of the flesh. Jesus came for a very specific purpose. He came to save. He came to redeem. He came to bring life and life more abundantly, as we read in John 10.10. Jesus can lead you in his power and his strength. Jesus knows the way. Let's read Isaiah 43, 16 through 19, and I quote, Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The Lord is performing a new work in you. The Lord is making a way through your wilderness. The Lord makes a path. 
In Isaiah 41.13, we read, and I quote, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, Fear not, I am the one who helps you. He is with us wherever we go, as we read in Joshua 1.9, and I quote, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's review. God knows the way. He is the way. God is with us wherever we go. God knows all and is all. He is holding us, supporting us, comforting us, guiding us. So let's circle back to Psalm 143.8 and I quote, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. His love is steadfast and unconditional. Can you with the psalmist declare, I will, I do trust in you, O Lord. Can you with the psalmist declare, Make me know the way I should go, O Lord. Can you say, Lord, guide me in your ways? Lord, lead me in your everlasting way? Can you say, not my way, your way, O Lord? Our first and highest duty is to wait on him to do the work that pleases him. In the place of absolute and unceasing dependence upon God and to recognize that our hope is from God and God alone. We wait upon God with a heart filled with faith in his working, faith to pray for his mighty power, faith to pray that the eyes of our heart be open to see God working in ourselves and in others. We seek to maintain a place of humility and stillness. We resolve to continually, humbly, truthfully wait upon God as he never disappoints. In waiting on him, we shall find rest and joy and strength and the supply of every need. We wait for supplies day by day at every step. We need our supplies from above, from him alone. There is nothing so needful than to cultivate a spirit of dependence on God and place our full confidence in him. We wait for guidance, for instruction from the one true God who has real knowledge and is the one who is the only true source of wisdom and goodness. The living assurance that waiting on God can never be in vain, as we cannot seek close fellowship with God without a very honest and entire surrender to all of his will. We need courage to believe that God will hear and help, and it is helpful to resolve beforehand that it shall be with the most confident hope of God's meeting and blessing us that we wait upon him. It is with the heart that we choose to wait on God. The heart must wait on God for him to work his will in us. We must be aware of the temptation to lean on our own understanding. In waiting upon God, our eyes look up to him and he looks upon us. And as we wait and pray, all apparent contradictions fade away. And in the exercise of waiting, we lean into an abounding hope, a hope as bright and boundless as God's mercy and grace. It is waiting upon God that our eyes are open to believe in his wise and sovereign will. It is resting in the Lord in his will, his promise, his faithfulness, and his love that makes patience easy 
and the resting in him is waiting before him with a peace that keeps the heart and mind anxious for nothing because we have made our request known to him. The surrender to full obedience to all his will is the secret of full access to all the blessing of his fellowship. God is able to do for us exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, and we are in danger of limiting him. He is teaching us to leave all in his hands and to wait on him alone. Patience then becomes our highest blessedness and our highest grace that honors God and gives him time to have his way with us. It is the highest expression of our faith. True patience is the replacing of our self-will with his perfect will. And if you sometimes feel as if patience is not your gift, then remember it is God's gift. And pray 2 Thessalonians 3.5, which reminds us, and I quote, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Faith. Simple faith in God's word and love is to be the opening of the eyes, the opening of the heart, to receive and enjoy the unspeakable glory of his grace as we abide in the light of God and let it and let him fill us with the life and brightness it brings, embracing the spirit of the crucified Christ. We need a more living consciousness that the essential thing is to give God his place of honor and of power. We must have a confident hope of his saving power and cry out open the eyes of my heart lord from ephesians 1:18. our waiting on god depends greatly on our faith of who he is and in such our waiting will become the spontaneous expression of what we know about him according to the truth of his word let us choose to allow him in his jehovah strength to carry us as we ride upon the wings of his omnipotence let us choose to bow in emptiness and utter weakness and humility and meekness and surrender to his will before his great glory and learn to be still and know that he is God from Psalm 46:10. He will reveal himself as the God who will mightily fulfill his promises. Our place is to wait upon God and what the human heart cannot conceive will be revealed to us. We must desire and believe we must ask and expect that God will do unlooked-for things we taste and see that the Lord is good, from Psalm 34, 8. We must take the time to cultivate this much-needed element of the Christ-centered life, and we need more faith and more of God. If we are to have our whole heart turned toward God, we must have it turned away from man, the world, ourselves, from all that occupies an interest, whether of joy or sorrow, so that we can experience the fulfillment of his precious promises. Let us choose, as we read in Micah 7, 7, to look unto the Lord and wait on God, a God who will hear. It is God alone who can give you the deep spiritual life of one who is really waiting on God for all. We, too, can only be strong in the life of faith or the work of love as we are in direct communication with God. Let the living God alone, none and nothing but He, be our hope. And in such beware of two great enemies, the world and self, who want to keep you from seeking His way and waiting on Him. Let us purpose to seek, pray, and wait as He continues to grow us forward in Himself. The purpose of the Christian Life Institute is palpable. 
We want all who profess Christ to taste and see that the Lord is good from Psalm 34, 8. To truly, deeply, intimately, and personally want Christ to be your all in all. We pray this is a time of refreshment and growth. We value your prayers. We value your support. Please send any emails to admin at christianlifeinstitute.com. Thank you for joining us for The Living Way, presented by the Christian Life Institute. Our podcasts are available on Thursdays. Please subscribe to our mailing list on our website, christianlifeinstitute.com, to receive notifications about our podcasts, blogs, and other events at CLI. I'm Dr. Katherine Pang. Thank you so much for joining us.